Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Today we're going to continue in our, our Talents teaching series. I want to lead off again with a question uh, that can spark some interesting responses. But what would you do for one million dollars? What would you do for a million dollars? Now I get like inflation is, is creeping up there, so it's not as much as it used to be. I remember thinking as a kid, if I can just have a million, I'll never work again. I don't know how true that is anymore. <laughs> so what would you do? What would you do? Would you think about maybe taking a punch in the nose from a heavyweight boxer? For a million dollars, would you do it? So according to some data online from a, a group called Watch Data, it's a YouTube channel, 80% of people say they would take one good licking from a heavyweight boxer for a million dollars. You better hope you get your million because you're going to spend half of it rearranging your nose. I'm just saying. Would you, would you work 100 hours a week per year? For a million dollars. For one year, would you work 100 hours a week? If you think about that, by the time you sleep a little and you work that time, you're going to have about an hour and a half a day left. You better use it carefully. 100 hours a week, 68% of people said they'd be willing to do that for a million dollars. What about this one? This one is kind of a cold, hard no for me, but would you stay inside for five years for a million dollars? Like, no, nah, I'll take my chances out there in the cold. I'm good. <laughs> I couldn't do it. But yet, there is 46% of people that said they'd try it. They'd try it. They're a lot more homebody than me, uh, and I'm pretty homebody. Uh, would you eat nothing but pet food? And I don't know how long. That was. I was left wondering, like, is this for a year? Is this for 22% felt like it might be worth it. I think what's more alarming is that 8%, please don't raise your hand if this is you, if 8% of the people said they've already tried their pet's food. <laughs> I mean, as a kid, I remember trying a, a milk bone, but I'm not sure I would do that anymore. Last one, for a million dollars, would you sleep in a room with 10,000 spiders? Okay. <laughs> I'm out. 6% of people, you see, that's spiders, boy. They, we'll eat pet food first. But what you see, like, this can be fun, or this might even be a little disturbing, imagining the lengths we might go to to think of the dream, the idea that we might pad our bank accounts with a million dollars cash. But perhaps there's a more, and quite frankly, a more realistic question that we should begin our time with today, and that would be this. What am I doing with the money I already have? What am I doing with the money I already have? Have. I mean, we, it's fun to dream about what we don't have, and we can imagine things with that, but what are we doing with what we do have? 
You see, we've been in this series called The Talents, and we've been asking this question, what does God expect of me? What's God expect of me? We believe that what we do with what we've been given is really important, like that matters to the Lord. And so today, we're asking that question in regards to our money. Not the money we might have, not the money we wish we had, but with what God has given us, what are we doing? What are we doing with what we've been given? Our answer to that matters to the Lord. Our teaching text today, uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke this week. Uh, Luke chapter 19, uh, we're going to begin our text at verse 11. Uh, the past two messages in this series, uh, we've been working with what's called or come to be known as a parable of the talents in the book of Matthew. This morning, we're going to jump into Luke's version of that story. Uh, As Luke is writing, the event is happening as Jesus has already turned his face, he's turned his attention to Jerusalem, and he's teaching and and leading crowds along that way, and and that's the setting at which we're going to jump in, at which Luke is recording uh, what's happening. So let's dive in at Luke 19, verse 11. It says, while they were listening to this, uh, he went on, so Jesus went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem. And the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. And so here, uh, the parable of the talents in Matthew, uh, in in the parable of the minus here in Luke, they have a lot of similarities. Uh, Some scholars believe this was kind of a, a familiar story that Jesus would teach as he encountered different opportunities. Uh, But there is some nuance between them. The difference here in Luke is that the setting is slightly different than that in Matthew. Uh, And it's it's important because the audience here in Luke 19, that they were believing that Jesus was going to immediately consummate the kingdom, bring the kingdom in its fullness. And and you may remember that the people of Jesus' day, they thought the kingdom of God was coming in almost a military-style victory. But we know from the story of Jesus and the Gospels that that was not his plan. That was not his way of bringing about the kingdom. And so uh, the people were thinking that, and Jesus begins to tell this parable. And it's speaking of the coming of the kingdom of God. And more than that, it's speaking of how disciples, how followers of Jesus are to live while they await his return. And friends, as we are followers of Jesus today, awaiting his return This story, again, has immediate relevance for us today. Uh, And so he sets out to uh, uh, illustrate, to show what the kingdom of God is like. Let's continue in verse 12. He, Jesus speaking again, says, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minus. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Put this money to work until I come back. In Matthew, Jesus is speaking of talents, and that was really a unit of measure. And here in Luke, this noble man is going on a journey, and he's giving away what's called minus. And I apologize in advance if I mispronounce that, because my mind wants to call it minners, like minnows in a river, minners. Uh, So minus. But it's hard to nail down the exact dollar amount of what's being given, what's being entrusted in here. Uh, scholars believe that it's somewhere equivalent to a hundred days wages. So three months pay-ish is what's being given. 
uh, as the master goes on. Uh, and so this money, this, these advanced wages are being given to the servants. And unlike the parable of the talents here in Luke, uh, the master actually gives very specific instructions. He says, take this money, put it to work until I return. Put it to work until I return. And then the master goes on his way. Let's continue in verse 14. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be king. Uh, and here is kind of an explanatory note, if you will, within the story. Uh, it's clear that this is not just a random story that Jesus is pulling out. No, it, it's really illustrating more about what's happening in Jesus' life in the coming of the kingdom. Because if you think ahead in the story, uh, the people of Jerusalem, people of Jesus' day, they didn't want him to be king. But yet we confess and we know that Jesus is king. Uh, and so you, you kind of have that prophecy, that foreshadow, if you will, of the coming crucifixion. And he continues in the narrative in verse 15. He says, uh, he was, the, the master had gone away, he, he was made king, however, and he returned home. He then sent for his servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. Here again we see a settling of the accounts. Verse 16 says, the first one came and said, sir, your mena has earned ten more. Well done, good and Faithful servant, his master replied, Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mena has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Uh, if you've been journeying with us, you might recognize that right here in the parable in Luke and the record in Matthew 25, they sound very, very familiar. The master has returned. There's a settling of accounts. He wants to know, what have you been doing with the money I gave you? How have you been putting it to work? And so these first two servants, they come in. They're, they're shown to have acted with urgency, with diligence, with intentionality. And they, they are rewarded for their faithful service. They're rewarded for their stewardship of their master's money. As the story continues, as Jesus is going on, we're going to see something entirely different from the last servant. And that's really where Jesus is drawing our attention, the difference in the servants and their actions. Really, I don't think it's too much to say that, that Jesus has crafted this story that we would see the actions of the third servant. Let's continue in verse 20. He says, Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mena. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you. Because you are a hard man, you take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. And immediately we see this servant didn't follow instructions, did he? Right? You remember at verse 13, the master said, Put this money to work until I return. Put it to work. But this last servant, he, he wraps it up and he puts effort and he hides it away for safekeeping. You see, this, this servant, he, he didn't accept the responsibility of what he'd been given. He deflects that, he defers that responsibility, and he merely hides it away. And so we, we begin to try to imagine the character of this last servant. There doesn't seem to be any loyalty to the master. There certainly doesn't seem to be any trust of the master's intentions and his request. 
And with that, the story continues. Verse 22, his master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mena away and give it to the one who has ten menas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. It's good to remember that this is not a preacher talking about money. <laughs> this is Jesus speaking and illustrating about the kingdom of God. Hard words, hard truth. You see, in both the parables of Matthew 25 and 19, Jesus told a story like this to illustrate his coming again, and yes, the judgment that would happen at that time, the settling of accounts, if you will. But while he wanted to paint that clear picture, he also wanted us to understand his disciples to see how they should live in the meantime. And so this central idea of, of what we do with what we've been given that matters to God, it's a central tenet of following after Jesus. It's not an extra credit exercise. It's not just for some special Christians, whoever that would be. Like, this is for you and this is for me as we seek to follow the way of Jesus and we await his return. How should we live? How about you today? With what you've been given, would you find yourself in, in the position of the first two servants or the third? You see, what you do with the money you've been given matters to God. Throughout this series, we've made it pretty clear that this principle extends beyond just our money. So this is your first Sunday with us in this series. That's a, it's not focused on money. You see, we began this idea of what we've been given and what we do with what we've been given matters to God. We began this journey with time. What are we doing with the time that God has given each one of us? 1,440 minutes every day. How are we investing? And then last week, we asked this, this same question. We took this same journey as it relates to our spiritual gifts, uh, the talents, the passions that God has graciously bestowed upon us for the growth of his kingdom. What are we doing with those things? And look, I believe that this conversation, this idea extends beyond what we can cover in a series to what we're stewarding with what we've been given, but it can't be less than what we're doing with our money because both of these parables are illustrating about money. And so we can't, we can't dodge this act. We, we can't pull away from it. God has expectations of his disciples, of his followers and what they do with our money, and we see one clear expectation from this story. Take this money and put it to work until I return. Take this money and put it to work until I return. Uh, we're about two-thirds of the way through the message, and I'm really glad you're still here. <laughs> you haven't dodged out, and even if that's only because uh, I don't think El Paso's open yet, 
I still thank you for sticking it out. Look, I, I recognize as much as anyone in the room of any service that conversations about money in church can, can be awkward. But you see, Scripture talks about it. The Bible talks about it, and, and, and we see that, that God cares, and so we're going to care and journey through it together, awkward or not. It's just part of following Jesus. And so as Scripture's talking about it, it's this idea of what we do with what we've been given, like where do we start How do we find ourselves uh, honoring and working as the first two servants? Where does that journey begin? And this could be a whole series, and it's not yet. I'm going to put yet in there, but uh, this is is just a message. And so here's a couple things that I think, a couple markers of that journey, of how we step into this invitation of being good stewards, faithful stewards with what we've been given, including our money. I think one of the places that, that we begin together is seeing that what we typically refer to as our money is really God's money. It's really God's money. And I know what you're thinking because I have probably thought something similar. It's easy to think, uh, but, but wait a minute. Uh, it, it was my hard work. It was my time at the, at the job, at the factory, at the office, and it came in my paycheck and it's sitting in my bank account. Clearly, this is my money. I get it. I get it. I think it's, it's easy for us. It's probably one of the most easy areas for us to claim ownership of it, right? And if I'm honest, uh, this shows up in my own heart and my own thinking, but it's easy for us to become with our money like one of my favorite movie characters in the Finding Nemo's movie. So I want to play this clip, and uh, we'll, we'll unpack it here in just a minute, but See if you can catch where we might go wrong thinking about our money. All right, do any of these boats look familiar to you? No, but the boat has to be here somewhere. Come on, Dory, we're going to find it. I'm totally excited. Are you excited? Dory, wake up, wake up, come on. (gasps) Duck! That's not a duck, it's a pelican! No! I didn't come this far to be breakfast! Hey, hey, Nigel. Would you look at that? Sun's barely up and already Gerald's had more than he can handle. Yeah, reckon somebody ought to help the poor guy. Well, don't everybody fly off at once. All right, Gerald, what is it? Fish got your tongue? Not a duck! I gotta find my son, Nemo! <gasps> Nemo? Hey, 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 he's that fish! You know the one we've been talking about, the one that's been fighting the whole ocean. Hey, I know where your son is. Huh? Hey, wait! They're coming back! Stop! Keep going! He's crazy! I got something to tell ya! Mine. Okay, don't make any sudden moves. Hop inside my mouth if you want to live. Hop in your mouth, huh? And how does that make me live? Why? Because I can take you to your son. Yeah, right. No, I know your son. 
is orange. He's got a gimpy fin on one side. That's me! Fire, 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 I uh, asked someone this week, I said, why do church conversations about money feel weird? Like that elephant in the room feeling? Like, what is that? Why is that? And here's what they said. They said, because we often think of our money as ours and not God's first. Mine, 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 mine. That was a long way to go to get there, wasn't it? <laughs> but I bet you won't forget it. <laughs> Mine? Mine? Uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus in writing, he says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. And that really begins to, to come in and align with our parable, doesn't it? Because the master in the story, he gave, he entrusted money to his servants. And friends, we see this truth that all we have is because we've been given, we've been entrusted We've been entrusted by the Lord. So every penny, every dime that I'll ever have, everything that you'll have is because God has decided to entrust you with it. It's all His. It's all His. So our money is a gift. It's His. He has gifted it to us. He has entrusted it to us. I think as we begin to wrap our minds around that and begin to discern the posture of our heart, we also begin to understand that the true nature of money, to think about money in a godly stewardship way, is not a matter just of the wallet, but it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. You remember what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6, verse 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, your heart is going to be wherever your treasure is. And so what we value, what we appreciate and invest in, what we treasure, ultimately becomes what we worship. You see, if we hold on to this thing, if we're still stuck in that seagull mode of investing, of my, 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 and we're clinging to this thing, what we treasure, what we value becomes what we worship. It becomes an idol. Jesus says a little later in the Sermon on the Mount, you cannot serve both God and money. You see, when we give ourselves to that sole pursuit of pursuing money and wealth and those things, it becomes an idol, it becomes an act of worship. And so rather than being stewards of what God's given us, we become worshipers of money rather than stewards. We become worshipers rather than stewards. And look, I want to be clear, like having money is not the issue. It's how we steward it. Paul says it's the love of money 
is the root of all kinds of evil, right? So it's what we do with it. It's a posture of the heart. And Jesus helps to illustrate this as he is pointing out and highlighting what sacrifice, what investment, what giving looks like. Uh, if you would turn, or you don't have to turn there, but Mark 12, 43 and 44. Think matter of the heart. Jesus says, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more money into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. You see, in that story, Jesus is highlighting the posture of that poor widow's heart and giving it all. You see, it's not about the amount. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. So we begin the journey to see that it's God's money. We recognize that it's a matter of the heart. And then we begin to see a little more clearly that God wants us to be responsible, not guilty. You see, we want to feel, we should feel responsible for what we've been given. We shouldn't feel guilty for having it. You you remember in the story, uh, the the master in in the story says he gives the money to the servants. He entrusts it to them and says, put this to work. That was marching orders. That was an assignment. That wasn't a reason for guilt. I'm trusting you with this. I've given it to you. Now go put it to good use. Put it to work for my kingdom. Friends, that's our relationship with money. It's been entrusted to us. We don't need to feel guilty for what we have. We need to feel responsible. Responsible. I think... I've experienced this, and I think it's easy for these conversations to come, and they bring guilt. And I've tried to think about that this week, like, what is that? And I don't, I don't know. I think it might be because we are trying, if we're pursuing Jesus, we're aware of this, we're trying to live generously. And so we're on that journey together. And sometimes that we are on that journey, we hear these conversations, and we, we just feel guilty because we're not farther ahead. We're not farther down that lane yet. And so you can feel guilt or shame. But look, that, that, that's not the emphasis. That's not the emphasis. Look, I, I believe that we are a generous people. I know we're a generous church. We're here today uh, on the backs and and on the promise of generosity from people who have gone before us who gave sacrificially in the middle of a pandemic that we could launch here. And and through Drummer Boy and through so many things, we've been able to bless and give back to people in our own congregations and in our communities. We've been able to to give to nonprofits like EAUS and Hope Distributed and Salvation Army. Like we are a generous people. We're trying. Yet in all of that, we can still feel guilt. But I would just invite you today, hear an invitation to responsibility, not guilt. Don't feel guilty for what you have. Feel responsible. Feel responsible. As the band makes their way forward, we understand that it's God's money. It's it's His that's been gifted to us 
in the first place. We understand that it's, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of, of our priorities, and we even know that we're responsible for it. But if we stop at just knowing these things, we still haven't made it. You see, we need to put this into practice. To practice generosity is, is at some point or another going to cause us to give away real money. <laughs> to give it away. Look, there's so many ways that we can look at and and we can begin to seek the Lord for investment strategies. He's a really good investment strategist, I'm just saying. But there's so many ways that we can do that. We can look to the Scriptures and throughout Scripture, God has encouraged His people to give generously, to give and contribute to uh, the church to continue on that mission. God calls throughout Scripture to, to care for the poor, to care for those who are in need. God calls to us to to give to missionaries who are spreading the gospel around the world to see that they can do their work. There's so many places that we can give. We can begin to see it within the local church. We can see it in ministry, mission organizations. We can see it in giving to EAUS or Page One or Hope Distributed or Salvation Army. There's so many ways that we can just step into this and trust Him. Trust His investment strategy. And look, I would just invite you to begin taking that journey of prayer. And it's not about the amount. It's about obedience. It's about obedience. It's a sacrificial act. It's giving back out of what we've been given. There's so many things that we could say about money. Um, I I just want to circle back. Let's try to focus in where we began this morning. What does God expect of me? We've had this look, this journey with money. What does God expect of me? And I would just want to ask and respond with a question. What are you doing with the money you've been given? What are you doing? God has entrusted you with so much much what will you do about it what will you do about it I want to offer you a challenge this week I want to challenge you to give something extra Uh, of course the, the Lord talks about tithes and offerings to the church but maybe this week maybe this week you would accept a challenge to give something you wouldn't normally give and give it somewhere other than here The amount's not relevant. But would you just step into obedience, give something you wouldn't normally give somewhere else to just say, Lord, I hear you. I mean, that that could be EAUS. That could be Hope Distributed. Salvation Army. That could be a a charity, a a group that's, that's doing a work for the kingdom. Would you just say yes? You might invest uh, in the person that is serving or waiting on you at lunch today. Invest in their lives. Say, God sees you and he loves you. Would you take that challenge this week? Just step in that mode of action and give something away. Invest in the kingdom of God as a good steward. Let's pray together. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you today for your word. God, and to be sure, you have given us so, so much. Lord, you've given us 1,440 minutes a day to live life and live in the freedom that you've provided in Christ Jesus. Lord, what a gift. What a gift. God, you have given us talents and passions and spiritual gifts. And Lord, we, what we do with those things matters to you. God, may it matter to us. May it matter to us. Lord, as we have entered into this conversation about our money, God, it, it's all yours. It's all yours. And so, Lord, help us to, to sense, um, Lord, the, the invitation, the, the reality that you have entrusted it to us. Not so that we would feel guilty, but, Lord, that we would just take up the responsibility to invest what we've been given for the kingdom of God. Lord, I, I want to give you permission in my life to sound those seagulls when I have the wrong heart posture in my life about money. When I begin to look at bills and what's coming in and what's going out and my heart begins to cry out, my, 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 would you just ring that in my life? Lord, help me to ask a different question. Lord, instead of asking what do I have to give, will you help me to have a heart to ask what can I give? Lord, you've given us so much. Give us a vision for how to invest in your kingdom, Lord. To invest in eternity. We love you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.